All right, boys, and we are live on YouTube. We are live. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Convos with Humans, episode number 45. 45. Um, this is kind of controversial one because it's our second 45 for the real ones and know in the future. But um, And we're live for the first time. We're live for the first time. We are actually on, live on YouTube right now. That's pretty crazy. Well, I feel like I want to start off this conversation with a quote from The Matrix because we were flying back from Pennsylvania and I decided to watch The Matrix again for the 45th time. Um, but this is from Morpheus. He says, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking it. That's it for today's episode. Thank you, guys. We're out. <laughs> Cue the music. Where's the stream deck? <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like there's so many quotes about this, like, of, like, uh, doing versus learning. Yeah. And it all boils down to doing. Yeah. And also, like... Um, Dude, that's, that's crucial. Like, I feel like... Um, when I was younger, I wanted to, like, I wanted to spend all my time reading books and stuff because I, that was, like, a, that was something I could do. Um, but if I could go back or if I could give advice to that, like, person now, I would say, like, forget the books and just do it because, like, everything that you need to know is going to be shown to you as it comes. Mm. But you trying to figure out everything um it's just kind of a waste of time you're like losing time essentially yeah like, like it's better to just jump into it start learning something rather than spending I, all your time learning i had a, a tweet i'm gonna do my own explain that tweet se segment hey let's but go I, I tweeted i was on a roll this morning and i was just like the coffee hit and i was just tweeting a bunch of things but it's one of them's on this topic of uh books mm. um let me see. Okay. I said, don't read, don't just read any old business book. It can be the right book, but at the wrong time. Read the book that is hyper-focused on the stage you're at and the problem you're currently facing this month. Mm. Sniper approach over shotgun. Fire. Because there's so many books that you could read. Like, they're great books. They may be Amazon top sellers, but, like, you, you could do that. You're, the rest of your uh, the rest of your life just reading top business books or mm -hmm. top books in general top self development, but like what's the book that like you need right now? Yeah, and like read that one even if it's not a top seller. Like it's going to be a hyper focused book on like uh, getting more streams for your music or something. Yeah, you know, like that's like one that's like you're facing now. You know, it's not like you're like talking about how to sell out Coachella. You know, it's like you could read that book, but, like, you're not at that stage yet. And yeah. so, like, why why are you focusing on that thing versus the thing that you need right like now? what's right in front of you. Yeah. This is honestly, like, one of the perspectives on reading that you brought into my world that changed the game for me was, like, because I grew up, you know, reading not personal development or business books, you know, as most normal kids are. They're mm -hmm. not reading business books I was reading like novels and stuff and that you just read start to finish you go to the beginning you read it to the end yeah and then like 
when I met you, you have like such a library of books where it's like you'll be intentional about the book based on what you're trying to learn about in that moment. Mm-hmm. You'll read it for what you can gain out of it, and you'll kind of reference them over time. Instead of reading them start to finish, it's like you know you read the sales book to learn to like uh, when you're focused on the sales wave. You don't even necessarily have to finish the book. Switch over to another book if you're now at a place where you're trying to learn about, um, you know, scaling or yeah. whatever it is. And it's like, I think it's important to, like, there's so many books that are just so heavy where if you just binge through it, like, if you just binge through the 48 Laws of Power, you're gonna, it's going to fly over your head. Like, you need to give yourself time to process and learn different lessons within the books where, like, even, like, yeah, while we are at this, like, mastermind event, all these homies, there was, like, a $100 million panel or a million-dollar-per-month panel where, like, all the guys make a million dollars a month. And um, it was just, like, open conversation. They were being asked questions from an interviewer. Mm -hmm. And when the question of, like, books came up, Wait, are we getting audio? Is everything looking good right now? I'm getting nods from Adam. <laughs> no audio? We're not streaming. We could just oh. keep rolling. And I've, I, I got it done. I restarted it on here earlier. What was that noise? I think it's out there. It sounded like a drill. That's weird that it really came close. through the mics, though. Anyway, let's just... It's the computer. Oh, shit. I I heard that all. It wasn't that loud. No, it's the laptop. It's the laptop. Um, Unplug the laptop and just... Maybe we shouldn't go live. But we could keep this combo rolling on this recording. Uh, Just unplug unplug the laptop over there. (laughs) Unplug that, too. Is it glitching out? And then just close close the laptop. Okay. Just close it. There you go. All right. I'm going to have to take down my Instagram story. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. We're not going live anymore. <laughs> the laptop's going to blow. Freaking laptop. That man. was crazy. I don't... I've never heard a Mac computer make that... I've never heard any computer make that yeah. noise, but let alone a, like a MacBook laptop. Honestly, it's like I considered it dead a year ago. Oh. So <laughs> Got it's... it. Maybe we need something a little more beefy for our streams. Okay. Why don't even let me open my story to delete it. Here we go. So I don't want to lose track of the million-dollar panels where I left yeah. off. And it came to the question of, like, what books do they recommend? And literally, like, half of the dudes all said the same book. And is called the $100 million offer or 100M offer. 100M mindset. 100M. <laughs> and it's written by uh, Alex Homozi. Is that how you say his last name? Yeah who I've been seeing all over TikTok before I even knew that that was his book or like just like um, clips of him talking about shit. And so we picked up that book and we've kind of been like going into it. And I feel like it's one of those books where if you just binge it from start to finish, or unless you take notes and come back to it, you're just going to forget a lot of the information versus like if you can like read it, implement read it. some of it, process some of it, implement it. Because like, I think the key is like you have to actually understand the topic. 
if you want to be good at sales, you have to actually like understand why someone purchases something. Yeah. Like it's not like you're going to read the book and you're going to kid yourself and say, oh, because I read the E-Myth, I'm yeah. this entrepreneur. Yeah. But you have to like understand. And for me, I think that comes – that only comes through experience. Like mm-hmm. having the knowledge and like – Having the information is the first step. That just tells you what to do, but you have to be able to do that to get that, um, like, to know it, you uh-huh. know? Yeah, I feel like it's definitely a balance because, like, I think one of my problems is, like, when I'll get into reading and then I'll just, like, binge read for one day and then I don't read. And what's more important is to, like, you know, keeping in that reader mindset. Like, every day, like, being a student and learning. And just by reading, like, a page a day, you keep that consistently. Versus if you binge 50 pages in one day, then you don't read for the rest of the month, you're not – you're kind of going to fade out of that quicker. Versus if you're reading every single day just a little bit. Because, like, you know, the thing that sucks about learning from experience is it's also kind of learning the hard way. Yeah. You know, you learn that you need contracts because a client fucks you over. You learn yeah. that you need to have systems because yeah. your team member, you know, fucks it up. But then again, you can't blame them. You didn't tell them the right way to do it. Like, this one, like, Adam and I were talking about just, like, on the way over here. It was like, you need to take responsibility if you want to grow. It's so easy to, like, put the blame in other places, in other people's hands, and then just stay the same and, you know, have this, like, it's almost like that's what your ego wants to do because it's like, I'm, yeah. I'm right, you know? i you should be apologizing to me. Yeah. You know? But it's like when you can take the responsibility and say, no, that was my fault. I need to like acknowledge that. And then you can actually think of ways to grow. Yeah. And like think of like, you know, what do I need to implement? How can I get more specific? And the more you learn from these, the hard way, it's like the hard way is like putting a stamp in your brain. All it takes is getting really fucked once you're not going to forget. Yeah. You're going to really, versus like if you have little experiences that maybe aren't as meaningful, you're not going to know the importance of yeah. whatever that thing is. Warren Buffett has this quote that goes like, we all learn, or you learn by mistakes, but the trick is that it doesn't have to be your mistakes. Oh, fire. Yeah. But that, yeah. that is definitely harder. Like, cause like, if you read a book and they tell you like, whatever you do, don't do this. You know, like it's easy for our egos to come in and be like, yeah, but what does this guy know? Like, you know, yeah. like, like, like to just like attack them. Yeah. Or just be like, well, that's how it worked for you. But like, I got it, you know, yeah. like, and then you go through that. That won't happen to me. <laughs> and you go through <laughs> it and then like, you're like, oh man, like I should have just listened to that guy. Yeah. You know? Anybody can experience these failures, you yeah. know? Yeah, I saw a TikTok of Warren Buffett, and uh, it was saying something about like how much money, how much Apple stock he has, and then he pulls out his phone, and it's like this old flip phone. Yeah. And then also, yeah, you were showing me like the Berkshire Hathaway website, and it's just trash. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting because it makes you think of you know, depending on what your goals are, like Warren Buffett's goals of what he wants in life, he's clearly been able to achieve it with a shitty website. Yeah. So it's like you start to think of like, 
you think you know what you need to do, or you think you know the right answer. Oh, I need to make, I need to fix my funnel. I need to do better Facebook ads. I need to do whatever. And all you can really do are like run experiments, gain knowledge from those experiments, mm-hmm. implement that knowledge into trying a different way. And like for Warren Buffett, it's, it's also like, uh, being like uh, an investor in Apple but not having an iPhone, like it's like being an investor in Coca-Cola, not drinking Coke. He's not necessary. It's like you, you question why is he investing into something or like yeah. what are his metrics for success? Or yeah. like how does well, he look at something? So, he, yeah, that's what's interesting is like he doesn't have a website or like he's not on Instagram because none of that actually like drives his bottom line, so to speak. Like, none of that actually would lead to him having a better business. Yeah. Because what he does every day in order to make investments is he reads annual reports and, like, um, just, like, analyzes... Just uh, numbers. Like, uh, balance sheets, statement of income, like, uh, cash flow statements, like, all of that stuff. And, like, all of that is available publicly if it's a publicly traded company mm-hmm. and then you download it and it's like a pdf or if you print it out it's like this thick you know and you just read through that and like um that's how you get a good grip of like where that company is objectively not by like where apple is like uh you know like the, with their new launch of something like all of that is like what they're doing like publicly you know but like when you get under the hood, you can, like, if anyone that knows how to read those statements can see, like, this company's heading for trouble, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to sell it off. But, like, later on, like, they can see the, the writing on the walls, like, years in advance almost because it's every month the numbers are being, or not every month, every quarter the numbers are being updated because they have to because they're a publicly traded company. They're legally required to show them how much cash they have, all of this stuff. And... So you can, if you know what you're looking for, you can see very clearly, like, what's going on. And then that's when they start pulling the cash out or investing into it, you know. But, like, he's not just, like, scrolling through, um, like, Reddit getting his investment ideas, you know. Like, he's literally, like, I watched a documentary on it, like, and he, like, wakes up, go to McDonald's, gets the same two items there, and, like, has it so dialed where, like, he hands them the cash and the exact coins. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It just seems like, at this point, it's like, dude, that's not even like, just hand them your card, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why are you bringing uh, cash and coins out, you know? It's like the principle. Yeah. It's not about time efficiency. He knows it takes more time. Yeah. But it's more so the principle of what he's trying to yeah. say. Yeah. And... Of being that precise. Right. And so, and then he goes back to his office and it just reads like um statements and annual reports and stuff like all day and then yeah that's what he does like i don't know it's like the difference between numbers and hype because like i feel like a lot of people just want to be able to find that one influencer to follow gary v he's my compass and then they take everything from that influencer but it's like Warren Buffett's not following anyone. He's following the numbers. People are following him. People are following him. Yeah, and you want to be, if, you're, if you want to be an investor or you want to be a creator or whatever, you want to be the one that people are following. And then it brings the question of what are you following? Yeah. Like, where are you going? And like, I, yeah, I feel like we've been talking about this topic of like, or maybe I've just been talking 
uh, to myself about it or thinking about it in my head of like a vision for a company of how important it is where you don't want your team to follow your leadership team. You want the whole company to follow a similar vision and you're going to move, you're going to be able to get insight that you wouldn't have been able to get alone from a team member who's looking at that same vision and that's when you get the intern that goes to the CEO and he's like, hey, I actually had this idea yeah. of what if we were to try this? And yeah. he'd be like, yo, that's literally a million dollar idea. Yeah. But you would never get those types of ideas if you're just kind of very, like, you're not communicating that vision to mm -hmm. the team. You're not clear about a vision that everyone's following. Yeah. But yeah, Warren Buffett, we went to his house. We didn't get to go inside, we drove by it. but we drove by it. No way. <laughs> yeah, you can find his address um, online because he's been living in the same house yeah. since he was like in his 20s or something. It's like a small house, right? Yeah, comparatively to comparatively. how much money he has. Like it's pretty, like, pretty quaint. Yeah. Yeah. And where, what state was that in? Um, Oklahoma? Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. Yeah. Alaska and there, Nebraska. There is like something that's very like appealing to me about that. Like, cause I feel like he is in Omaha. I mean, he grew up there, so that, that is something, but like he's living in Omaha and like, you know, what happens in Omaha? I mean, I mean, I'm sure that it's, there's stuff to do, but like, it's not New York and LA. And I feel like everyone has this idea that you need to be in New York or LA in order to make it. But like, I feel like nowadays, you can really be anywhere thanks to the internet. Yeah. And what it is, it's like, if you're in a random remote place, you have less distractions. And so you're actually more focused on that thing. Like, cause like yeah. that's what actually matters. Like there's this, uh, is what he's doing every Drake, day. There's this Drake lyric that he talks about that I'm going to butcher it. But like, he pretty much says like, and this is from a few years ago. And when I heard it, I was like, damn, that makes sense. Like he was like, Pretty much said, like, y'all are doing too much. All I do is I chill at the studio, like, mm. and make music. Like, oh. And so it's, it's like, if you're, a, if you're like a producer or a rapper, like, what's going to change your career is being in the studio, putting in the work, not being at a club or Nobu. Like, that's that, all that stuff is the extra stuff that is uh, smoke and mirrors that, we, like, you always talk about. Yeah. Like, what it actually, like, the, what actually is going to impact what's going to push career, you forward yeah, is going to be you sitting in a chair in your studio working through it. That's it. Warren you know, Buffett's like, studio is just reading those papers yeah, and, and like, he can just control the environment that enables him to best do that. Yeah. That is and, like for him, the most comfortable is his home growing up. Yeah. And, uh, there's a, an author named Cal, Cal Newport that mm -hmm. wrote, um, deep work, deep work. And so good. They can ignore you. And oh. I was listening to his podcast and he just talked about how he just spent like tens of thousands of dollars building out his home, uh, like office. And it's like, he was just saying like, if this is the thing that I do, like I'm going to invest into like having a nice monitor set up. I'm going to put Ooh. nice, uh, like wood on the uh, library, you know, like I'm going to make it feel good because like, if I'm going to be in this room for like more than half my life, like this has to be what I want to, I want to be in a room that I want to be in. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, so if you just have like stuff or you don't think about like what's going on in your environment or whatever, like, and you just have like, like really bad lighting or something that just like strains your eyes or like, I don't know, like 
you want to have it be a place where it's like, if you could design the perfect space for you to be in every day, then do that, you know? Dude, and this, it's also ties into this idea of like, if you're going to do it, do it. It's huge because people say, I want to be an artist. I want to make music. They can talk all day. Yeah. But it's like, if you are going to make the decision, I'm going to be an artist, then do it. If you're going to make the decision to do a podcast, do it. You know, don't half-ass it. Yeah. You know, like, and it's like, if you're going to grow a business, do it. Like, you have to do it. And like, it's, I mean, I feel like that's, it feels like one of those high thoughts. It's like so simple. It's yeah. like, yeah, you're fucking, of course, you guys are stupid. Yeah, just do the shit you want to do. Yeah. But like there's so many people out there that don't. Yeah. And it's also about kind of committing. Like we kind of want to tell ourselves things. Like that's why I hate when people are like, I'm an aspiring photographer. Aspiring, yeah. Bitch, you took a photo. You're a photographer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like if you're going to do it, do it. And it's like I understand where people are coming from. You know, I've. Our, the first 40 episodes of this podcast had no video where if I'm talking to past Mike and Truman, it's like one, I got no regrets because those episodes are special and unique for what they are. But also now that we're filming it, it's the start of this new chapter and we're like doing it now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no yeah. wonder we got no views before because we weren't, we weren't like wanting to talk about it necessarily. We're not like promoting our podcast. We're not hiding from it either, but we're just kind of just doing it because we like having these conversations. But now it's like, now that we're doing it, it looks better. We get more confidence from that. We want to promote it. More people see it. It grows organically. Mm -hmm. And because we do, we, we realized, you know, we want people to listen to the podcast. And if we want people to listen, then we got to make TikToks. And if we want to make TikToks, then we got to film this shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, very, it's very difficult to like market audio only because yeah. you need those video assets to be able to market, promote something. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's so much distraction yeah. in everything. Like in, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about with like the books, like you could read books on getting better or self-development for literally 10 years. And like, w but like, what is it? What tangibly has changed since you started reading those books? Mm -hmm. You know, like, like what have you implemented? What have you implemented? Like, and I think that just being more intentional about what you're reading for like the actual problem that you're facing is like a way better approach, but cause you can be distracted from so many other things. Like yeah. just learning new information is like a d distraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, even just like as humans, our memory is one of our weakest things in our brain, like relative to like our brain's processing power, our, our memory storage is one of the most limited. Yeah. I feel like this is also a problem that like is really new too, because like, let's say we go back in time and us three are in a tribe and there's maybe 15 other people in our tribe, like the craziest idea, the life changing thought or whatever, like that we all each have still, that's only like tw under 20 people. Like, but now that we're tapped in with, like, 7 billion people or, like, probably 3 billion that are online, like, everyone has this revolutionary, crazy breakthrough idea that they're just sharing every single day. And, like, you're going to get, like, caught up in, like, all the newest stuff. Whereas, like, if you really mm -hmm. want to just progress, it 
may be better to just put some blinders on and focus on the thing that's right in front of you in your life, not everyone else's. Yeah. Like, but I do love the idea that you can learn so many things from other people around the world, but I think yeah. that it can be too much at sometimes. Like it can be over consumption yeah. and it can be like making you overthink what's in front of you, you know? Whereas if you're just tapped into like my experience and my life and what I feel I need to do, then it's going to be like pretty simple. But it's if you like, start getting all these people in the kitchen, like too many chefs in the kitchen, then you start getting like, oh, maybe I should do that, you know? Like, but you would never think that if you didn't have that stimulus out there telling you that, yeah. you know? Well, I, I love what you just said about like overthinking. And it just made me just think of just like going with your gut versus overthinking something. Because when you overthink something, you, do, uh, you, keep dwell, you keep thinking about it and you change your thoughts on it because you overthought it versus going with your initial gut that says, boom, do this. And then you overthink it and you start to say, oh, but like we could overthink this podcast and yeah. be like, oh, it already failed twice. It already, you know, uh, like in terms of like today's episode, we had some <laughs> subs getting yeah. started with the stream. We could overthink that and just like it could self-sabotage. But like... Your, your mind is a double-edged sword. Just as strong as it is to help you, yeah. it can hurt you. There was something that I heard once where they said, uh, like, if you're trying to get to a conclusion, like, you want to, like, make a decision on something, wait, just wait until you're 40% sure that it's going to be the right decision and then make mm. that decision. Because if you wait till you're 100%, then you're, like, it's too late, you know? Like, um, it's just, like, in terms of like, cause the methodology like behind it is like you 40% make the decision. All right, it's wrong. I'm already on the next decision at 40%. Okay. That was right. Like you can progress a lot faster than if you just make one decision and really like hone in on that and like wait uh, two weeks to feel completely comfortable with it. But like you can like make so much more iterations and make them faster if you just make quicker decisions. But you don't yeah. want to make them when you're 10% sure because then, then you're just, like, throwing, throwing stuff. Shots. Yeah. But, like, wait till you're 40% where it's, like, you know, I feel pretty good about it. Make it and then, like, reevaluate and then go to the next one. And that's how you mm. can pro progress a lot faster. A great, <clears throat> a great analogy for that is Instacart. Um, like, man, that job just screws us over like crazy, but it is such a good teacher you know yeah yeah but you can't be like overthinking whether or not to take any available order for or too someone long else or someone else is going to take it and you can't yeah. be jumping too fast because then you could take one that's just horrible and you're yeah. working for hours for like not that much money mm. and so like you 40 percent that's like perfect you know you analyze it uh don't overthink it that's great get it you yeah, know and keep then moving and then you're on to the next one and you can make more money because like even if you get two that are like not as good, like two orders, you know, you make $15 an hour or something on both of them. And that's better than like overthinking. Waiting for this all, $30 yeah, unicorn. Wait, <laughs> waiting for the one where you're going to make a ton of money and then yeah. you don't make any money in those two hours. Yeah. Because yeah. you are you have some sort of like superiority complex. Yeah. You know, like when you need to work, you need to work. Yeah. And like that's kind of life. It's in, in like all aspects, like, yeah, when you want to, if you're going to do the thing, you got to actually do it. You got to mm -hmm. step up and make the change. Cause like, you know, we could all die anytime. Like we could, 
you know, one of us could have a kid. It just changes the whole dynamic of our future. Like, we have to, we want to do this now. We have to do it because time's ticking fast. And I don't know, it's really easy to get caught up in our minds and like overthinking all the negative things that can happen. And I don't think we put enough weight behind the like decision paralysis mm-hmm. and how negative that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so too many people are sitting for so long thinking about whether like on any whether decision, it's the right you know, decision to make. Yeah, like leaving a job or, you know, a relationship. Like if you're in an abusive relationship and like your husband's beating on you, time to get out of that, yeah. you know, and you could go have another relationship with someone that's like treats you better and that could you could, you know, you could be single and be happy, but like mm-hmm. It's better to make that decision. Obviously, that's very extreme, you know, but you can't sit around, especially because we all have these, like, American dream, huge ego. We all want to be millionaires. Everybody kind of thinks that they're going to figure it out. Yeah. And that's not going to happen for everybody. It's There's not enough money. There's not enough. I mean, there's, there probably, maybe, who knows? But, like, the amount of effort and time and hard work it's going to take it's not for everybody. Yeah. So if yeah. you want to be a rapper, if you want to be a photographer, if you want to be a painter, if you want to be whatever, a teacher, like you have to go do it because yeah. everybody wants, everybody wants, everyone also thinks they're special. Everyone always has excuses for themselves when they fail. You know, like I'm sure we go all talk to our grandparents about their dream job when they were like a kid or like our age and if they didn't do it why it didn't happen you know but some excuses you know it's all relative but you kind of have to push yourself super 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 hard if you want to like validate that feeling inside of like i'm special Mm -hmm. and i can be something special yeah i feel like knowing what you want is a really important part of like this whole conversation because Let's say I think I want to be a photographer and I make that decision of I'm going to be a photographer and then I can start to make the decisions that a photographer would make to be able to grow as a photographer. But if I don't actually want to be a photographer and that's not my true purpose, then once I decide, oh, I actually want to be a recording artist, that's going to open up a whole new path that you're just at the starting line. Because you've been in photographer world. And the sooner you can get aligned with what is your true purpose, which is different for everybody. You know, like, you may be someone that realizes, oh, I'm super social and I'm really good at talking with people. And I thought that meant that I should be a salesperson, but turns out my potential is to be more of a CEO because I have this other idea of starting a, starting a brand or whatever. And being able to make those decisions... It's like each decision, if your goal is to grow, then if you're spending so much time sitting there trying to make the right decision, you're going to wait too long. But also, like, I kind of also want to play the devil's advocate on this because this is making me think of the tortoise and the hare, where it's like the main message of that story is slow and steady wins the race. Where, like, if you're making, if you're like the hare making quick decisions, you could go down the wrong path because you're like, you're so impulsive. Oh, I think I want to be a a photographer. Oh, I think I want to be this. You're constantly scattering around and not focusing on one thing versus like the slow and steady where, you know, you're thinking of your decisions being very intentional every step of the way. It's going to be slower, 
But then when you look back, you're going to have a way more steady and accurate path of growth versus the, the hair example. Well, you know, like, why, like, I think you're, like, more, this is, like, more accurate of an analogy than I think you realize. Because the reason that the tortoise won is because the hare exhausted himself mm-hmm. and then fell asleep. Yeah, like, burnt out. And so it's not about over, you know, it's, like, exactly, it's not about overthinking your decisions because the tortoise just kept taking steps. Yeah. You know? I think it also is, like, don't overthink doesn't mean don't think. Mm-hmm. You should still think about your decisions. Don't be impulsive, yeah. but don't overthink. Yeah, yeah the I 40%. Think that, yeah, the 40% is a critical thing here because, like, if you were just making, like, oh, today I want to be uh, a baker, and then, like, you just go do it, like, that's literally just an intrusive thought that came into my brain, and now I'm acting on it. Yeah. Whereas, like, 40% is, like, that middle ground of, like, eh, I've been thinking about it for a while, you know? you know, like, yeah. but 100% is, like, you waited five years to, you know, Yeah. No, that's super interesting. It's all balance. Yeah, and that's what's cool about the 40% is that it's right kind of in that middle point. Um, You got any other books you've been reading lately? Um, No, but I want to start reading more um, because, like, I've been off the reading game for a while, and I realized, like, like, I, I thought that that was cool, you know? Like, that, I thought that that was fine. Like, it d- wasn't affecting me a lot. Mm-hmm. But, like, I noticed something that, like, when I was reading a ton of books, something that was happening is that I always had something to say. Like, mm-hmm. whenever, there was oh, yeah, a, yeah. whenever there was a dull moment, it was like, yo, guys, you want to hear something from this book I've been reading? You know, yeah, like, yeah. it's something crazy. Something crazy that's, like, I'm bringing it to the table. Every, everyone can benefit, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Like, I was just way more of an interesting person because I always had new, like, things that I was, like, chewing on, you know? Yeah. But, like, when I'm not reading a book, it's just kind of, like, I What don't YouTube any... videos did you watch lately? Yeah, it's, like, I don't have much <laughs> to say, and that's kind of, like... Or it's, it's just not interesting. It comes down to, like, that, like, the weather, politics whatever's on social media, Andrew Tate, Donald Trump, uh, Russia, uh, China, Russia, all that stuff. And, but when you start like reading books and like doing stuff that like, nor- like most people don't do, like most people are on YouTube, they see that stuff, Twitter or whatever. But like when you are reading a book that like, came out in the sixties or something, and yeah. a lot, not a lot of people read, it's like, no one is over in that territory this this day and age and so when you go over there and bring it back they're like whoa this is crazy you know like i haven't heard this before but it's like all that stuff is over there where the where the sun isn't shining you know but that's not so pretty yeah it's not so glamorous and like flashy and stuff but like there's a lot of really interesting stuff that you can find in books that like aren't the top sellers or you know that are that take a lot of effort to really extract that information whereas on tiktok it's like every freaking second there's a new thing that's uh, given to you. But when you really like sit with a book for days and weeks, like you're digesting it at such a different level. Yeah. And that's something that I want to get back to, but be more intentional with like what I'm going to be reading. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to what I was saying before. I'm curious, like what was like one of the first books for you that just did it? That, that convinced you that like you were like, I like to read. You know, I really liked reading this. The first book, um, 
that I honestly forget. I'll, I'll do two books because one, I forget the title. So that's kind of like a, it's not really going to be beneficial and no one's going to be able to find it. Uh-huh. But it was a, it was actually like a slightly Christian book that was, that I, that my dad was reading and I found it and it was like, but it was combining like Christianity or really just like God with this idea of like law of attraction mm. and was like saying that was my first introduction. Wait, this is the one that you don't know the title. I don't know the title. Shoot, I can find that it. Probably. Sounds dope. I've yeah. been on this law of attraction wave lately and I was reading it and I, it was like, I started at the beginning. I was like just sitting on my parents' couch and I, like I saw it there. I was just like, hmm. I started reading it. It was like the first book that I was reading outside of school. Yeah. And I like couldn't stop reading it because it just kept my attention and because it was like talking about how like essentially like you will manifest things in your life when they become like part of your heart, like when you're like living it internally and like mm. at, from your heart perspective, not just from like your brain and your ego and your thinking. And like that was really and like the way that you change your life is like you like place these ideas on your heart, metaphorically speaking and all this stuff. And but I was like reading it and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then the second book was Thinking Grow Rich. Oh. So it was like, and I was reading that one like in high school when we would have like, uh, like we would have like required reading every Friday for like 20 minutes or something. And I would be reading Thinking Grow Rich. And Hell it was yeah. like, uh, it was just really cool. Like, cause everyone else was reading like those, you know, Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> I definitely like had a chip on my shoulder about that, but it was like, <laughs> Super, uh, Truman's like the wokest in the room (laughs) in middle school. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think that when I got into like those books, like more of the self-development books, um, that's when it clicked for me that reading like was like going to actually change like my life in a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. When we were at your, uh, parents' place in Lancaster, um, I went to go blow up the bathroom and I look to the side, and there's a book sitting right there. It's like a, a Bible. Yeah. That has like the a, downstairs one. a mark. Like there's a spot, a section marked. So I was like, let me just open this up, see what page this is on, you know? Yeah. And it was like in like Second Peter, I think. And the verse that was highlighted, I actually knew, had I'd heard this verse before. Um, and I don't remember exactly what it says, but it, ta- it says pretty much, faith without works is dead. Mm. Mm. I was like, that was really applicable at that time. And even yeah. right now with this yeah. conversation of like, you have to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like, even like outside of a religious context, thinking of faith, Kanye says faith is the opposite of fear. Mm-hmm. So if I'm like, how can I be a fearless leader is by being a faithful leader. Mm-hmm. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean having faith in a religion. Right. You know, faith is just believing without seeing and it boils down to believing yeah. you have to believe that you can do something yeah if you if you're the leader of your company you have to believe yeah. that you're gonna edit videos yeah. instantly you have to believe in whatever your mission is and that's part of communicating that vision yeah. because saying that you have faith or that you believe is saying that you don't know right otherwise you don't have faith if you know and then it's like but again you can't only have the faith because then it's almost just like hope. Yep. Turns to hope. Yeah. But then it's the action and the work that you do is where you can achieve those beliefs and you can achieve things that you didn't know that you could do. 
do crazy things and like yeah, read books. It's and definitely shit. like, <laughs> well, one of my favorite quotes on fear and faith is that, um, like fear and faith both require you, require you to believe in something that you can't see. And so mm, you have to oh, choose, you have to choose, shit. like, do you want to like believe in fear? Something that's going to like be negative towards you? Like, cause mm. you have the option to believe in either one of those things. Like if I, be, if I have fear in the future that like, I'm going to break my leg or get hit by a car that I could believe in that. Like I, that's not something that has happened yet. It's an available option in this realm, like this reality, Yeah. you know, and I can choose to believe and be driven by fear or I can like another option is that I'm going to be living into my, uh, hundred tens, you know, like, like my, I'm going to live long life. I'm going to be healthy and you can believe that too. Yeah. But like what, like where that like works come in, comes in is like, are you just going to believe in that, but still be eating McDonald's and drinking sodas or like, yeah. you're going to believe in that and actually put in the work to get there where yeah. like belief is like, like knowing that you're going to do it. Like when I was running the, uh, or when I was training for the 40 mile run, like faith would have just been me saying that I'm going to do that run, have it planned out all the stuff. But like, I haven't trained at all. And mm. I'm just like hoping that I'm going to do it, yeah. you know, and just relying on that. But like, if someone would ask me, like, do you think that you're going to do it? You think you're going to run the 40 miles? Like, I'd be like, yeah, like I'm pretty, I believe it. Cause I put in the work. Like it's yeah. like, cause you were like running objectively. Like you can see that, like I've been putting in the miles and like all this stuff and like my, my longest run was this, you know? So I'm thinking I can do that, you know? Yeah. But just having the faith is like just being like you're, you're just, your head's in the sky. You're just thinking about stuff, but like, where's the work though? Like, what did you do today? You know? Yeah. Like it all comes down to like, what did you do like today? Or if not today, yesterday or the day before that, or, you know, like not, what are you going to do? Like, what did you do like this week? You know? And that's what, that's the works. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I feel like what we're talking about here is like, and what we've been talking about is that like talk is cheap and like mm -hmm. actions are like what matters and like what actions did that person do leading up to this? Cause like even that's what got the result at the end of the bro, day, even going to the Warren Buffett stuff, like he's investing into companies based upon what they did in the past, mm. you know, like, yeah, he can't predict in the future. Like he's no. taking everything that, everything that they're saying with reading of, those papers, yeah. those sheets, like he's taking what they say with a grain of salt of like, we're going to come out with the greatest product ever next year. And <laughs> like, you should invest to, into us right now. Cause next year it's going to be phenomenal, you know, but he's like, Yo, but your last few quarters have been trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, He's like, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. It's like literally it relates so much to like basketball, like quarters. It's like if you've been playing the last three quarters of the game trash, you've been tripping, you've been missing every shot. Mm. Why is someone going to invest in you in that last quarter when your past three have been garbage? Yeah. You know? That is, I mean, yeah, that's honestly on point. And I, this also just makes me think of like, a backflip and backflipping on skiing. Like I, I have vivid memories of certain homies uh, like Brighton who I remember seeing Brighton his first day on skis because he was always snowboarding. And I remember one day he popped on some skis first day skiing. My guy hooked a backflip and landed <laughs> it. 
And then I see other homies that huck a backflip. They don't even get over their head. You know what I'm saying? And it's like Brighton, of course, believed he could do it because all his friends could backflip that skied. He was comfortable snowboarding. He was like, I know how to backflip on a trampoline. And so when it comes to doing it, effortless. (laughs) I think he even snapped the skis. Like, wow. at the end of that day, like, because they were a little bit smaller and, or cracked them or something. And then the other homie that has the fear is going to not commit all the way. He doesn't believe he can do it. So he's like, oh, fuck, I'm just sending myself off of this jump right now. <laughs> and is thinking of the fear, thinking of landing on his head. And so, of course, he lands on his head. And, like, this applies to, like, one of the first books that was pivotal in my life that you were able to put, put on to me because you were reading it at the time, and kind of as you're reading it, you're kind of like giving me some of these lessons. And I'm sure we've even talked about this like in earlier episodes. This is like chilling in the garage type of days. Yeah. Um, but is the book Letting Go by, is it David Hawkins? Is that his name? And the biggest lesson for me that I was taken away from that is letting go is a form of removing fear. Fear is one of the things that you let go of. And, like, in the book, it outlines, like, scale of consciousness, what it calls it. And it has all these different, like, tiers that's ranked from zero to a thousand. And it's like, if you want to raise up to be up more like a thousand on Jesus level, then these lower things you have to let go of. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have a choice. If you want to, like, uh, open your mind or whatever, you have to let go of fear, anger, shame, anger, guilt jealousy, all these different things. And like you were reading this book and talking to me about it and it was clicking for me. And I was like, yo, that makes sense, bro. <laughs> like, that w- And so I was like, just you know let what? go, bro. Just <laughs> let go, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's really that simple. And I was like, all right, I want to do a standing backflip. Yeah. We were just outside of Parkway Lofts, listening to some music, like jumping around. And I was like, well, I think you even brought it up. You were like, Mike, what's something that you want to do that you haven't done before? Yeah. And I was like, I've never been able to do a standing backflip. And you're like, why? I can't use standing yeah. backflip. In my you- head, I was like, I'm going to get this guy to do a backflip. He doesn't even know it yet. I did it. Because <laughs> I was literally like, also like, this guy's trying to get me to do yeah. a backflip, but I'm not going to do it, man. He doesn't even know. Like, and it was like... I can backflip on trampolines. Yeah. I can backflip on skis. I can backflip on a snowboard. I can even backflip off of a power box. Yeah. But when it comes to flat ground, I can't do a standing backflip. And you're like, why? You kept on probing, kept on like, why can't you do this if you know you can do these other things? And I was like, well, I mean, there was a story like that my dad told me as a kid of his experience doing standing backflip, didn't rotate all the way around, landed on his toes, broke his toe, injured himself, like, pretty badly or whatever. And, like, that's always been, like, the back of my head. And you're like, all right, well, that experience is true for your dad, but it's not true for you. That's never happened to you. Yeah. So that's literally, like, irrational of you to think that that's going to happen to you because even your dad can't backflip on skis. Your dad can't do – so, like, literally, why can't you do this? And then I was like, I guess, I guess I can. We also, before we even got to the point where you did it, you were like, right. I asked like, what if you, what if that happens? What if you hit your toes, stub your toes or whatever? Like, so like, yeah, you know, like 
go down that rabbit hole of like, what if this happens? Like you realize that your life is still going to go on or like if your business fails or whatever, you're still alive, you're still healthy. Like, yeah. What, what's, why is that the thing that's holding you back? You know? Yeah. And like my first try, so I, I put on like some Brockhampton or something to hype me up. I'm feeling it. And I huck my first one and like exactly what I was afraid of is what happened to me. I didn't come around all the way. I landed on my feet, my toes, and like fell to my knees. And I got up, and my shit wasn't broken. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, that didn't hurt that bad." Like yeah. I literally got ninety percent of the way. Like literally, if I just give it a little bit more, I'm sticking this shit. Yeah. And then I fucking hugged it, and I landed it. <laughs> and I was feeling the adrenaline so hard. I literally did like three back to back. Yeah. And then I th- the fourth one, I fucking fall on my face. I like land. And I'm like, and I'm just laying there. I'm like, whoa! I feel yeah. like I'm on cloud nine. Like yeah. my entire life, I'd never been able to do that. And like that was the first major lesson I learned from letting go. That was a domino effect to other fears that I faced and other lessons that I learned through going to the skate park. I could never kickflip off the three block at the Provo Plaza. I could all eat. I'd never been able to kickflip off it. Same thing. You're like, bro, you can kickflip. You can kickflip while rolling. You can even kickflip off of a curb. So what's the difference? Like, and you, you can, can ollie, do this. You can ollie that. Too. I can ollie that. Like literally, like you can do this. And I mean, it took me eating shit yeah. <laughs> and falling all night until I literally was at a point where I was like, I, if I don't land this one, I'm not going to make it. This has to be the one. And then I flicked it, stuck that shit, rode it out, and it felt amazing. Yeah. And like, and then the next big one after that, I don't mean to make this mic hour, but I just kind of want to continue on. Because this literally, this book changed my life completely. Yeah. Like literally, it took me from one place to a much better place. And the third one was like, I was, I could never do pull-ups. I never like worked out growing up or did gym stuff or whatever. And I never could do pull-ups. And I literally started doing push-ups every day to just, like, get my muscles, like, uh, somewhat built a little bit more. And then I started with just, like, doing one pull-up and then two, then three. Then I I had set a goal. I was like, I want to do ten pull-ups. And within a couple months, I hit that goal. Then I was doing 12. Then I did 15. Then I did 20 pull-ups. And literally within under six months, my entire life, I never could do pull-ups. And I feel like it shows the power of your mind. For sure, yeah. Because my mind had been inhibiting me my entire life. And really, I was probably physically fit enough. I mean, I could do like maybe, I mean, yeah, I don't even think I could do one single pull-up my entire life. And then now I did 20 in a row. And the thing about facing fear is, you develop confidence from it. You can face bigger and bigger fears. You know, we have fears that, and I don't know if it talks about this in letting go or in another similar book, but limiting beliefs. And there are these beliefs about ourselves that we hold that limit us from achieving the things that we want to achieve. And cause that's, that's what's so difficult is like, you will get what you believe. If mm-hmm. you don't actually believe in the shit that you're doing, you're not going to succeed. Yeah. If you're lying to yourself and you don't actually believe and you're just kind of, you're not going to get it. And if you truly believe that you can't make more than $50,000 a year or whatever, you're not going to. Yeah. And like, that's like 
that belief, that faith, and that letting go of fear, letting go of those negative emotions. Like, I think is it like we were talking about this on the way over here of just like, you know, the voice in your head. And like, it's really easy. Like, I mean, one thing that's the first step is to kind of acknowledge the voice in your head, make the separation that you're the observer of the voice of your head. You're not necessarily the voice in your head. Yeah. And it's really easy to notice that with road rage. Mm-hmm. And you're driving and someone yeah. does some shit, you immediately get this impulse that's like, you know, super upset. Yeah. But then you can kind of be like, oh, wait, wait, why am right. I feeling so upset about this? You know, is it actually what they did or is it because I'm just like in a bad mood today? Is it me that's just projecting? Taking it personally or something? It's that smoke and mirror shit, yeah. you know? And just by acknowledging and observing that voice in your head, helps you so much yeah because you you don't have to listen to it yeah and some something that i like recently learned just through like um being more observant of that voice is that like um you think that it's always like your voice Mm. but like something that i've been learning is that like there's voices that you hear like that are like going this may like make me sound like I'm schizophrenic or something, but like they all sound like me, but like if you analyze where they came from, they could have came from your dad or your mom. Yeah. And it's something that they used to say to you, but now you're hearing it as your own voice. Mm. And like, so like if things like if you struggle with like scarcity mindset, which I do, it's like, I went back to like, where did that come from? And it's like, a lot of it was like just uh, around like certain things that my mom would say or how I thought she was reacting, like, you know, but like, and then, or things that she used to say, but then it's like, I hear that voice in my head and it's not her voice. It's it my sounds voice. Like true. Yeah. And so I'm thinking that it's legit. I think it's right. You know, but if you, it, that's, it just goes to show that you have to analyze like, where is this coming from? You know, like, and is this actually serving me or is it like, is it not getting me to where I want to go? Because mm-hmm. then that's where you have to like analyze it and uh, figure out steps to overcome it. Because like, like if you, most people can go their whole life and not need to do a standing backflip, you know, yeah. but like that, that's just a metaphor for any other belief. You know, if, if $50,000 a year is that thing for you, like, uh, which I mean, I struggle with that as well. It's like, I want to get beyond that. But like, so it's like how, what's the method to get beyond that is just sitting in a chair and saying, I believe that I can get over 50,000. I believe, (laughs) or is it like doing that work of like going like, why do I feel like I can't do this? You know, like actually like getting to the core of like, what's the thing that's holding me back and how can I like get in front of that and actually make some progress and like get those little wins, you know, like do that, metaphorical flip hit your toes realize that it's not that bad you know um i don't know if that makes sense but like that did i think that it's just like you just have to work you know what we've been saying like it's like yeah faith without works is dead even like because yeah back at the vegas mastermind something that a lot of the homies were saying was Building a business isn't hard. It's just like learning anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It just takes discipline and work. Like, you know, we've been building our business 
four years now. And it's like, we've honestly heard the answers and know yeah. what we need to do. Yeah. But just knowing isn't enough. It's the work that it takes after you learn about the things, bringing on the people to help you do the work. That's what built growing your team is about is like, you know, if it's just the Mike and Truman show and we want to keep on, you know, just doing shoots for the rest of our lives and like as if it's a regular job. But we started our business because we didn't want a regular job. Yeah. We started it because we want to do more with our yeah. life. Yeah. And like to do more, it takes more, more people, more work and like. When it comes down to like building a business, it's just like anything else. Like, set your mind to it, learn it. If you're starting at zero, just do a few YouTube and Google searches and start learning, taking notes, getting ideas, thinking of what problems you want to solve, what value you want to provide to the world. And then once you figure that out and build your product or whatever it is, then it's like, delegate that shit, homie. Find some people to, like, find a finance guy to do your accounting. Quit doing your accounting yourself. Yeah. You know, we've had our accountant for, like, three years because we suck at that shit. And now it's so much easier where it's just, like, you know, someone from uh, his team hits us up, asks for our documents. We send it over. Bada bing, bada boom. It's, you know, and just boils down to doing it. Yeah. So, okay, I kind of want to take a side note of something I wanted to talk about, about NFTs. Because today, I want to play the NFT bad guy, because normally I'm the NFT good guy. Good guy. <laughs> I'm going to be the one roasting NFTs today, because something happened that just like really pissed me off. And it put, me into per it put it into perspective that even though things may make sense in the short term, not everything is black and white, and as simple as it is. And I don't want to give off on this podcast that we're just like, yeah, 100% pro NFTs. Because I am super curious and I love learning about it. And I love looking at NFTs and art. And like, it does seem like it makes sense. But then some shit happens. Like, I had an NFT on OpenSea. I've been a big fan of OpenSea. I've been looking at OpenSea as more than just a marketplace. I've been looking at it as an NFT platform. Because now that I have like, you know, some NFTs on my wallet, I've made NFTs, I browse other collections, I'm starting to understand a little bit of the social component. Because your wallet is public. People can find your wallet and see your NFTs, and they'll be able to see that you have this NFT that has a thousand likes on it, or ten likes, or five likes. And I was like, I started to categorize my own NFTs by which are the most popular. Meaning which had the most likes. And it kind of gave me a feeling of validation to own that prestigious NFT. And that's just going to kind of compound in the future the same way as like a profile picture. When you put that board ape, it shows that, you know, it's like a flex. Just way, same way as an AP on your wrist or a pair of Jordans on your feet. And like understanding that concept, I can totally understand how people in the digital world are going to want to flex. For sure. What do you mean? We're humans. Yeah. But these platforms don't necessarily represent Web3 true values. You know, like Coinbase isn't like a decentralized autonomous organization. OpenSea is not this decentralized company. Even like the Board Ape Yacht Club, like I don't know. I mean, they have like their tokens and they're, it's like there's these businesses 
Okay, I, I'm not I'm just forget I said about the Board Ape Yacht Club because I don't know too. I don't want to say anything about it. But there's these businesses that are like wolves or sheep's and wolves clothing or wolves and sheep's clothing. Yeah. Wolves in sheep's clothing, where they're trying to play this like I'm just like you guys, Web three. Really, they're trying to make fucking money yeah. off of us. Yeah, you know that was always one of my beefs with like Ethereum and all this stuff. Was like I'm like, wait a minute, isn't the whole point of this to save money? Why does it cost me more in fees and expensive to send Ethereum than USD on Venmo? Like yeah. I'm gonna keep on using Venmo because there's no fees like that. And so it that was like something hard for me to understand. And like with OpenSea, I got an email that said, "You're because I noticed my number of NFTs total went down one." I was like, "Huh? How did I lose an NFT? Yeah, did someone like hack me, or like steal one of my NFTs or it something?" And then I get an email that is like, "OpenSea has delisted your NFT uh, for violating the terms of service, and you still own the NFT on the blockchain." It's like they can't remove it from the blockchain. They can just delist it from their platform. And then everyone that partners up with OpenSea, like even Twitter, I think, I can't use that NFT as my Twitter profile picture. So it's almost like I lost that NFT, which I had bought. I spent money on. And so that, of course, sucks. But also the NFT was literally this homie that the collection was called Fed Up. In all caps, F-E-D-U-P. It was just this cool little cheap art collection that I found that was like two bucks for an NFT. So it's not like I'm out thousands of dollars, right? I only spent maybe five bucks on this. And the character that I got is this guy that like is holding two middle fingers out. And there's another homie on his head who's holding the middle finger out. That's it, bro. If they're already censoring art that just has middle fingers in it, how much art are they going to censor on OpenSea? And it is a major turnoff yeah. as a creator for one. Like, you know, this whole like people tiptoeing around YouTube because of all the stuff going on with Andrew Tate and Steve Will Do It. I don't know if you've been up to date with the Steve Will Do It thing. They both switched over to this new platform. And new platforms are coming because YouTube is now being too tiptoey. And people don't want that tiptoe attitude. Like, I mean... It's a balance, of course. We can't be having videos of terrorists on a platform. There needs to be a line drawn somewhere, but that line isn't where the middle fingers are. Yeah. Like, if I'm, a, if I'm in America, you, all right, it's like, yeah, China, whatever, Russia, you can do whatever you want. I'm in America, bro. Let me on the internet in America see, if I want to, some NFTs, if I want to. You know? Are they going to pull down my NFT that has boobs because it has boobs? Yeah. Like, why can't they just have, have it be, like, an uncensored NFT platform that's like Reddit, where if you're under 18, you don't see the NSFW stuff. There's a tag on it for adult material. But if you're over 18 years old, then I can say, sure, let me see the NSFW stuff. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just so frustrating to me that they would delist that NFT for middle fingers and it's like, already I'm curious of, are there uncensored NFT platforms that are popping up or that are out there that just aren't as common? Or like, there's other marketplaces like Rarible and a whole bunch of them, but I, don't, I haven't even looked at them. But now it's like, I'm going to go start checking out and trying to find yeah. one that I like better because I thought that OpenSea would be the one, but like, 
that just really pissed me off. And it's like, it looks bad on the whole world of NFTs as is, is already like this place that people are extremely skeptical of. Yeah. Now you're giving me more reason to be skeptical because it's like, yeah, wh- oh, what's stopping someone from just deleting your NFT? Well, I never thought of that question before because that never had happened to me. But yeah. now that it has, something I paid money for that I bought on OpenSea. Well, the, the thing is that you still do have it. Yeah, it's, I still do. It's, uh, it goes back to that discussion that we were talking about with like Andrew Tate in the, on the way to Vegas. It's like mm-hmm. we can be really like mad that he got deplatformed from Twitter. But that, at the end of the day, it's like Twitter is technically that, a private company. That, that can make those can rules. make decisions, mm-hmm. um, and so is OpenSea. Like the thing is that you uh-huh. still own that NFT on in MetaMask. Like it's probably still in your MetaMask somewhere. Yeah. And so if you it's pl- still on the blockchain, yeah. Like if you plug in your MetaMask into another platform that is more open minded or whatever, it'll it'll show up. But on OpenSea, it won't. And but that that I'm not saying that to like devalue that like yeah, that yeah, still no, is course. like it still is like annoying that they did that but they do like they technically could can do it and that's know? like the kind of like the uh wolf in sheep's clothing thing because yeah. it's like if you understand what you, this like whole web3 movement is all about it's like people it's more progressive and that was like a total move that just showed their cards of who even owns OpenSea? Is it owned by the Chinese? Is yeah. it like TikTok? Or like, is it owned by a, like, they're just these massive corporations like that are making billions of dollars and, you know, the whole NFT space is vulnerable to that world even though there's still the good sides. It's like what people say, like 99% of projects are going down because yeah. there's all these fucks out here I, I mean, I also think that 99% of those are going down just simply because we're early. Like, 99% of, like, uh, startups in Web 1 failed. We only, don't like, yeah. the only ones remaining are, like, Google and, like, Oracle. Or, like, even, like, Amazon took over eBay. I remember yeah, eBay like, was the shit. eBay was number one. I remember Amazon coming up. I was like, I'm not with this foo-foo shit. Yeah, this book place, but yeah. now but who uses eBay very much? I mean, no, there's I, still people, I think. You know, I don't want to hate. I was on it this morning. You <laughs> fucking. Boomer. I was looking at uh, Carhartt, vintage Carhartt. Yeah, that's where I get savage uh, Volkswagen parts. But it's right, eBay. So like dope. They, yeah, eBay works for what they started in. Like, it's like a, it's a worldwide, like peer to peer. I'm gonna put this up whatever it's like essentially facebook marketplace like that's what it's that's where facebook marketplace kind of stole is stealing some of the share from i think because who face- came first craigslist or ebay i mean i don't know e- if any of us would know this off the top of our head we're gonna need a google search but let's let's take uh, some polls here i think that ebay was i want to say ebay's first i want to say craigslist was first because you look at Craigslist and it still looks yeah, like it looks the platform is like from the 90s. So I want to say that Craigslist was probably like around first as like a local 
you know, because it's just like classified. Local. Yeah. Craigslist was launched in 1995 by Craig Newmark, a software engineer, as a free email service that described upcoming events in the San Francisco Bay Area. So it wasn't even about events. It wasn't necessarily about a marketplace. So now let's see about eBay. Ooh, September 3rd, 1995. Wait, what so was the first one? We get it just boring. said 1995, but didn't say the date. So, um, okay, let me go back. It's getting dicey. We need exact days. That's crazy. All these things were around before we were born. Well, I mean, some me of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Um,. Did you guys know it's that 99.9% of all cave drawings are not there anymore? So, Man. really? Craigslist is being fishy about it. They're only saying their year. It just says it was launched in 1995, but it doesn't say what day. I mean, if it was a email, uh, like... Email blast. True. If it started oh, out wait. as email first, then it we can assume that yeah, when they started, they weren't a uh, marketplace. Well, they also for... probably don't have a super general start day because, like, imagine you know you just have an email list with you and your friends talking about shit that's happening in your city. Yeah. yeah. And then they just start spreading it around more, and then like adding more people to it, and then all of a sudden he's like, "There's 700 people in this chain. Like, let's mm. just make a website." So, so then it's not like this. I found this Forbes article uh, that's titled Craig Newman, founder Craigslist to give back. Now he's a billionaire. Um, How does so, it make money? So it says on March 1st, 1995. Well, he probably made money off selling it to someone else. Like, I don't, or unless he still owns it. But how does Craigslist make money? How is it valuable? Yeah, Just ads? Um, yeah. They, no they do do a lot of ads on Craigslist. Yeah. But. On March 1st, 1995, Craig Newman fired off an email to his friends, having been laid off, his laid off from his job at Charles Schwab, where he had explored the early promise of the internet as a computer engineer. He decided he had reached a time in his life to give back. Okay, so now just getting back to the... So it said March 1st is when he fired off an email to his friends and had been fired. So sometime around March or April... But that is before eBay. That's an interesting, random yeah. question for anyone that was curious. That's crazy that they were started within a few months of each other, though. Yeah. And to see where they are now. Because eBay started off as a um, marketplace, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just stayed the same thing. It's just gotten bigger. But Craigslist is, like, crazy. They pivoted. Yeah. There's, like, message boards and classifieds and news or something i don't even know yeah um so i'm curious of if there are any like startups that you guys think are going to be like next big thing or any like small companies that you're interested in it's really tough because i don't see a lot of like small companies that they themselves are gonna blow up you know, because it kind of seems like the trend is now, like, uh, you start a company, it gets successful, make a nice exit, sell it to somebody else. It's a huge company, and they just take your thing and mold it into theirs, you know? 
they so, don't hold it for long enough. Yeah, or like they couldn't, they just see like, oh, we can't do this ourselves. Let's take this exit. You know, I mean, so many people exit their companies and sell um, it. So like, it's pretty interesting. I don't know if we're gonna get another like mogul like Google or Amazon or something that's gonna come up that that hasn't been around since like that the like 90s. truly competes with those because it doesn't cave to their money. I feel like Web three is probably the only like option that that will happen in the future is just something that's coming completely out of left field that these companies right now don't really see the value in or believe in so if the people could support it as a group then you could make another company but it's gonna be really hard with like the way kind of capitalism has run the world and the rich the really 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 rich make the laws about being really 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 rich it's gonna be really hard for i feel like people to break up into that stratosphere like because they kind of can gatekeep. Yeah, and they'll just buy your company. Because they have so much money. Yeah, if they see that you are like a valuable new little up-and-coming technology you know, thing, you can do this cool new phone, Google's just going to buy it and then start making that little thing into their phones. Or not even. Because they're like, that's a competitor. It's, it's cheaper for us to buy it and not even do it ourselves. Because your resistance to sell is going to raise your value until they eventually find that breaking point. Where if they're like, yo, you take $10 million? The average person would be like, oh, yeah, that's crazy, you know? But the person that can say no to $10 million gets the $100 million offer. But that's the thing. Sometimes. Google. Yeah. yeah Google, I, well, yeah, it's not necessarily about saying no that's going to make the value of your company. But definitely Google what could I don't come to, to you and say, hey, you have this little software for this little notch in the top of the screen. Um, we'll give you $10 million, you know, for that idea or that company or whatever. Um, or you can not. And we have basically the same exact thing but just slightly altered so it's legal, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to do it anyways. And you can try to sue us if you want to, or you can just take this and we can call it a day because, you know. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of shit that's happening yeah, all the time. it does happen. So it, I don't know if we're going to see a new, like, group of little guys kind of break up into the the billion world, so, you know? I don't know. Something that Charles Hosk- Hoskinson said when we were with him is that he said, like, um, like on this topic, he was like, all of these people are playing this old game and we can try to compete or we can just say, we're going to play something else over here and mm. make, make new rules. Yeah. And where everyone has a chance of winning, like in um, Web3 and crypto and all that stuff. Because like, especially if we're talking about the world, like if we're just talking about America, that exists even with just America. But mm. like, the opportunity gets worse and worse when you start going into like third world countries. But like what he, like a lot people, I feel like don't understand what Cardano is doing and what Charles Hoskinson is doing. Like, cause they're just paying attention to Ethereum and NFTs and all this stuff. So they don't really look at Cardano cause, but his approach is like, he's going into actual countries and implementing blockchain in other countries that don't have a strong enough economy as America and he's like when we were with him, he was going to the country of Georgia, which I didn't even know was a country. Yeah. Goes there, implements a blockchain that with the government, like a deal with the government that they can have this uh, currency, and like it's going to be it's a worldwide currency, and it's like everyone has the ability to win when you're all using that same currency and like the same infrastructure and the same rules, but when you're like siloed and 
each country with their own little rules and stuff. Controlled and by the drug lords or the yeah, warlords. Like you you make it so that like only we can win, you know. But like when you make it for the people, like in a true sense, then it becomes like a more fair game. You know, it still requires work and determination, all that stuff. But those are things that you can tap into. Um, but like in the old like system, like you're saying, it's like you can work hard and do all that stuff, but still you'll just get screwed over at some point, mm -hmm. you know, um, or it, you, it's a possibility that you'll get screwed over. I don't want to be like too nihilistic, but it's like that, that happens out there. But if you, uh, build it up in this other lane, you know, this new system, then you own all of your assets and all that stuff and the likelihood of that happening or whatever. But it's pretty wild because like on the grand scheme, like the U.S. dollar is kind of like the world currency, yeah. you know, not officially, but like it's what a lot of like the major, you know, gas and oil and gold and yep. stuff is based on our dollar. And there's a lot of these like legacy families that are like trillionaire families, you know, and that's trillionaire families in the dollar. Yep. Yeah. USD. So if the world switches over and cryptocurrency gets more stabilized, it's more stable than the US dollar. Mm -hmm. And everybody switched over, the US dollar would become worthless. Yeah, there'd be no like need. Zimbabwe. There'd be no need for it. And companies would have to adapt themselves over, you know, in that wave. And so they wouldn't really care even more about their stock value in the US stock market on the US dollar. They care about how they're doing on Web3, you know, how their, how their coin is doing or whatever it is, you know. So, and that would give us the only chance that we have at taking down these trillionaire legacy families because they've been making the laws. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we, we were there at that Las Vegas mastermind. Yeah, there's ways where you can just avoid all taxes and give all of your money to your kids and have it be like compounded like insane amounts. Like rich people, they've been making all the rules. And I don't think there's going to be a way that we can switch that and give the power back to the people so we don't all keep getting exploited, like, working-wise yeah. until we can switch over from the dollar to something else. And if we're able to do that, it would give all the power to everybody, and we would take away these people, these the Rothschilds, the J.P. Morgan. We would at like, least level the playing field a little bit more because what what – sucks is that you can buy bitcoin with that usd and so like these homies that have trillions of dollars they are already buying they already have more bitcoin than all of us yeah. they already have the leg up yeah but it, but we do have somewhat more of a chance than we they, did with but, usd but it doesn't least. matter how much bitcoin they have they can't make the rules yeah because that's the problem like in the to rogan podcast we're listening to in vegas like uh or like we t talked about this topic and I probably won't do a good job explaining it, but it's like no one person can overthrow the whole system, but that's how it's happening now with the old system. There's mm, five yeah. families that are running everything because mm -hmm. they just were the ones first that own most of the money and can make, can pay off people to make the laws and stuff. But, in but the, now it can't just be one. It can't just be one person with all of the, the money. But I want to share this quote based upon what you said is like, it's by this guy named Buck, Buck Minister Fuller. 
He said, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. You change something, or to change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Mm. And so, like, we can be fighting this old world, these old families, this old power, all this stuff. We can continue fighting, but, like, has it actually impacted? Has it actually changed things? We can keep fighting, or we can just say, yo, y'all can still play that game. We're going to go over here Mm -hmm. and make it so that this game becomes a dominant one that is for the people Mm. and make it so that people naturally want to go over to this game and there's different rules over here and Mm -hmm. these people are just over here doing their thing and it's going to be a slow and steady way of getting over there. But I think that that is how Web3 is going to really take off is it's going to be the natural... Uh, I mean, Web3 is a small subset of this whole thing, but there's, you know, the blockchain, all, Bitcoin, all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. like, I think that that is the future. And yeah. once everyone switches yeah. over is when Bitcoin to the moon. That's mm-hmm. when Bitcoin is at, hits a million dollars per Bitcoin. Or when people talk about, like, will Bitcoin hit a million dollars? It's like, well, if the question is about supply and a fixed demand, if we go from this small percentage of the forward thinkers that are using something to the 90% of the population is using it, that demand shoots up and the value of these things goes up where it's like, we're still so early. It's like that switch. When do you think like 10 years, 50 years or a hundred years? When it, when we look at like the internet, like it was super interesting when I can't remember who, but they were comparing like NFTs right now to like the internet in 95. And it's like, it wasn't just like in a couple of months. It was like throughout 94, 95, 96, 97, over a span of five to 10 years is how long it took to develop these, you know, Google and these, the core companies. It didn't just happen in one year. And like, if you think of NFTs, you know, that, you know, five to 10 year span, we're at like kind of the beginning of it where it's like the early, it's like the late 90s in terms of, and if we were to follow that same kind of trajectory, people didn't, re- it was social media that really mass adopted people on the internet. Yeah. Facebook and like now with social media, everyone is using the internet like every single day. But that took 20 years. I mean, MySpace, Tumblr, I don't know when those were started, but. I think that like Web3 is going to take off faster than the other ones Mm -hmm. because of the fact that social media is the underlying thing that's pushing it. You know, like web web one, like that's interesting for people to understand what the internet was took a long time because naturally people didn't have the internet to discuss what it is. It was like TV. It was like that was talking to each other at our houses when we're hanging out for dinner and like that. It had to spread really slowly through word of mouth over the whole like world, so to speak. Mm, interesting. But f- to get the idea out of Web three is as simple as, you know, people just tweeting about it, making TikToks. Like people Someone are, that you follow. People are seeing it, and I feel like even if people don't understand it, if they don't understand Web three, they at least know what it is, or they've heard the term, you know. But in the past, they they were just it was they were hearing it for the first time of like what. The internet, I've never even heard that word before. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's, it was a new concept that they needed to have, like, information in, like, different, like, 
brain cells being made about what this thing is even is. But Web three, they can compare it to Web two and Web one. You know, it's they have a mm-hmm. frame of mind of what mm-hmm. it is. You know, it's like it's a little bit like Web two, but it's different in this way. Whereas before, they had to explain that idea from the ground up of what even is the internet. You know, what do you feel like is going to differentiate Web three from Web four when we're ready to make another jump into a new wave of the system? You know, I don't like, even know. Is it going to be maybe even, like brain interfaces or like once or like, uh, but it's hard to know like what that even is. Like, why would you need? Cause brain interfaces could just be on web three too. You know, like, like just using the differences web between three. web three and web two is like that you own your content, you know, but when you're talking to someone in the web one world, they're like, what is content? Like, what is, mm-hmm. what is that idea? You know, like, like that wasn't even a thing. They were just reading web pages. It wasn't called content. It was like they were just like reading stuff. But then Web two made it apparent that like, oh, we can add stuff to this world, and it, like we can add articles, we can add photos, we can add videos, and then they, we made up that term content. You know, and then it became apparent in Web three that we need to own that. You know, mm. we can't have private companies own that. So I don't know what the next thing in Web 4 will be. It will only become apparent when we get into Web 3. Yeah, once we're like fully submerged with Web 3 and then we can... I mean, it's going to be interesting because I feel like the Web 3 era will last longer, will last much longer relative to Web 2. Because like Web 2 wasn't very sustainable. So it was only able to last, you know, 20 years or so until people started to really feel the pain and the frustration but Web3 is going to carry us longer than just 20 years, could be 100 years, yeah. until we have new frustrations and pain points. Yeah. I do think that the next like frontier beyond the internet is going to be augmented reality. Oh. And because, dude, it's wild. I mean, you know it as well, but it's just like, I mean, we've been just viewing the internet on a 2D uh, screen, you know, but if you can, and it's like the, like the metaverse exists already. Like we tap into it every now and then when we pull up Apple maps to get somewhere or whatever, or, you know, but like, there's no way to like see that, um, always, you know, you only tap into it when you need it. Mm. But if you had, um, some AR glasses on and you were able to see, like pull up a, um, map, just like, projected right there or something um it's almost like integrating the metaverse with the real world instead of it being this submersive separate place it's like how can we integrate it with what we're already seeing yeah to improve our reality did, did adam tap out oh he's going to the bathroom but we can probably <laughs> wrap up soon yeah we sh- should we wait for him to come back or yeah, should we, we just wrap wait. it we can wait but um yeah i was watching this uh interview with this company called i think it's called jadu or jada j-a-d-u and they partnered up with michael bay on like um an nft collection slash this whole project of these like augmented reality assistants that's this character that i think is called ava and you're supposed to be able to like have it interact with you within like ar Mm mm-hmm it's pretty interesting because that's where like holograms will be able to hang out with. We'll be able to do a podcast like this in AR where it'll feel like we'll be here together. We'll be looking at each other, yeah. you know, through our glasses, but then it'll be 
you won't actually be there. Yeah. Wow. I think that that's going to be way cooler than VR. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually found some super cool AR glasses, but you can't even buy them in the States. They're just, they're over in Europe. And I can't remember what the company's called. I'll have to bring it up and talk about them more next time. But cat getting in the. Got a visitor. Yes, sir. Well, this podcast has been Fire Boys. Appreciate the fire combos as always. Everybody listening, if you want to hear more, subscribe. And like it, leave a comment, follow your boys. Follow we your on boy. social media at Convos with Humans, uh, at True Mylan, uh, at Adam Sorensen 21. 22? I think it's Adam underscore Sorensen. Adam underscore Sorensen. Oh, I actually just secured the Instagram as well. This is just for the homies. So this is the low key. It's Adam underscore Instagram, but spelled like Adam, like the, oh. like the physical thing. Like- Atom? Like yeah. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's dope. So I'm hyped about that. That's your, that's li- that's your live stream name. The hey. Adam. Oh, <laughs> oh Adam. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, appreciate y'all listening and tapping it in. And yeah, drop some comments. Let's get talking. We'll uh, try and do a live episode soon yeah, where you guys good. can like engage with us. But Where the laptop doesn't blow up. Yeah, yes, oh, sir. We'll nail that down for sure. Hey. All, all right, right. Catch y'all on the flip. Peace, Peace out.